I tell everybody not to be afraid of even a small culture movement because the engagement that you're creating inside that small team can actually build and grow and move out to other areas. And sooner or later, it will spread. It can be the culture virus for all I care is that it spreads. Good things spread. When people see good things happening, they want to be a part of it. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science. You're in for a fast-paced, storytelling, action-item-rich leadership growth experience. I hope you make this podcast a habit. I consider it a leadership mentoring tool. Learning together makes us better together, and that is how we change the world around us. Let's get to it. Today, Shelly Phillips joins me to share a leadership concept called the value method with us. She's seen some transformational changes over the years of using this method, and I'm so intrigued to learn this and share it with you. Shelly is an international bestselling author with her book, Culture Secrets, and she thrives by powering others to achieve their career and life goals. Shelly, welcome. I would love for you to kick off by sharing where this value acronym, the model for your work, came from. Nikki, I'm so happy you asked. And, you know, it's one of those believe it or not moments that I actually woke up in the middle of the night and could not go back to sleep. I was thinking about it and it literally woke me up and I had to write it down. And it was like, okay, this makes sense. And it was really funny because the year before I had just finished another book and had it launched and everything. And I'm like, this year I'm not doing a book. I'm taking some time off from writing. And my brain just said, no, that's not going to happen. And so value culture was born at that point in time. And It is really something pretty amazing to me because when I was putting the book together, I got to interview some amazing people from great companies like Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where the Atlanta Falcons play, Taylor Swift sings, all this kind of stuff, WD-40, Panasonic, a lot of big names. And what was really interesting to me is that all of them have successful culture programs inside their organization, but they can be boiled down to this very simple formula. They may call different pieces of it different things. But they're really focused on these five areas. And the more I thought about it, the more of the best people that I had worked with and the best organizations that I had been with and the people that I really enjoyed experiencing learning from, they did these same things as well. And so I think sometimes we make it too complicated. And so just getting it really simple and getting it to something that no matter what level in the organization that you're at, if you have people that you're responsible for, you can do these things and create awesome cultures. I love that. And just so much power in learning from others, their experiences and looking for trends and these commonalities and things by studying others and just such a big believer in mentorship. The other thing, as you were just sharing, is when you're waking up in the middle of the night and you just can't stop because it is just in you and like, hey, I'm going to take a break from this. But it's like, nope, the body, the mind, the Lord, you know, higher power is just not letting that happen because it's just this is your core to who you are. And so excited to go through just really your passion for powering others to achieve their career and life goals and just see that shine more. Curious when you talked about being woken up in the middle of the night and really inspired by the value method. So how long has it been that you've been applying this? When I think back, I wasn't calling it the value method at that point in time. But as long as I've been building teams, I've been doing this. and. It really became forefront to me, I guess it's probably been about eight years ago now. I left a job because we had an organizational change. A new CEO came in and that person did not have people at their heart. And really, if you want to have a strong company, if you want to have great customer experience, if you want to have great employee development, you've got to have people first. 
everything else will take care of itself because when you're taking care of your people, they're going to take care of your customer, which is going to make your business grow, which is going to be successful. And it's just a self-perpetuating will that you have going on. And so after that happened, and it was really amazing to me how one person could change how I felt about myself. They really made me question, do I still have value? Do I still have something to offer? Am I still good at what I've done for the last 20 plus years? I tell everybody, I said, you know, I had a bookcase full of industry awards and stuff, but yet this one person after six months made me question, am I still relevant? Am I still doing what I need? And you realize you take that feeling home with you. And so then your family experiences, your friends experience, like you go out to lunch with them and all you want to talk about is how crappy it is at work today or whatever else is going on. And so it really becomes this force that you don't even realize it's kind of taking over your life. But when you're not happy at work and, you know, we spend, what is it, 90,000 hours of our life there, it's going to have an impact on you outside of that office as well. Because I don't know about you or, or a lot of your listeners, that I'm not equipped to shut that off when I walk out the door. I still feel the way I feel and I take it home with me and I take it other places with me. I haven't learned that compartmentalization very well yet in life. And so having that experience was one of those things that made me really realize as I'm in leadership roles, how do I want my team to feel? How do I want the people that I'm responsible for, whether it's the entire organization or whether it's a small group of people, how do I want them to feel and how do I want them to be encouraged and how do I want them to know that they're contributing to the success of the organization? So it's something that's kind of evolved over my leadership time. And I tell people it actually started way back probably 20 years ago when I was working with a sorority on a university in Alabama. And I dealt with a lot of the leadership in there, but we were growing. We went from about 50 members a quarter to over 200 members a quarter. So how do you keep people engaged? How do you create that culture of inclusiveness? How do you make everybody feel that they're part of something and all that kind of stuff? So it really started outside of the corporate world and then kind of transitioned into what I was doing in the leadership role. Wow. Thank you for just sharing some of that context. And one of the things that came up is something I like to talk about a lot, just to remind leaders about the ripple effect that the workplace truly makes. And you think about awesome stories where people are so empowered. They're like, because of my experience working with this company, it helped me to see that I could do things I never thought possible. What a stellar example of great leadership is someone helping to uncover someone that they didn't even know what was in them to build them up. And it made them go out and be a better person in all of the other hats that they wear. But unfortunately, I feel like we hear a lot more stories on the other side of what the workplace does, spending all the hours that you talked about and what it does to tear people down and take away from their ability to go out and have the energy to be a volunteer in the community. And so it's just, we spend so much time in the workplace, just like you said, and it's so important for us to take leadership, our roles in these places that people work really seriously and put those people first. So Thank you for saying that. So in that eight plus years that you've been applying this, what's surprised you? Maybe outcomes that you were like, wow, I wasn't even considering this. What comes up when I ask that? Other than the outcome, the first thing that really surprises me is the resistance some people feel to focusing on culture. Culture, I think, has that connotation that it's just this fluff thing, that it's the feel-good thing, that it's not really a tangible that I can control inside the organization. I come from the utility industry, which is full of engineers and people that want math and science and formulas and all this kind of stuff for everything. And so 
how do I put numbers to this so that I can really convince people that, hey, you will get a return on this investment and here is how it is. And you can actually have a tangible calculation that you can work for. So making that sale, getting some of those kind of brains to start looking at it in a way that I can see the benefit to the whole organization and how it's going to add to the bottom line, how it's going to add to productivity, how it's going to add to engagement and people's enjoyment of being here has been one of the most interesting things. To me, it's the most natural conversation in the world. So like to run into someone who's like, I need to see the dollars and cents to make this work. And I'm like going, how can you not see that it benefits all this? You know, so coming up with ways that you can really put it in a tangible way has been something that's been really surprising to me. And luckily, there's a lot of tools out there now that you can do that with. You can track as far as like your wellness programs and stuff, how many people are taking sick days, how many people are showing up, how your productivity increases, customer satisfaction. There's a lot of numbers that you can track now to see where culture initiatives really have an impact. But that would probably be the biggest thing. And then the other thing I'd say that's been really surprising and a lot of fun to me is that it really doesn't matter the size of the organization that you're with where you can see these impacts. One of my favorite stories comes from there's a guy that I know he's got a small boutique marketing, digital marketing firm. And we were going through the value culture and with COVID happening and everything else, so many of his employees are work from home or they're not in a central location. And then he's had a lot of really large growth. He's always added people and all this other kind of stuff. So how can you use these things to keep the great help that you have and How can you keep them really excited about doing the work that they've done? It was really interesting. He said he had never really thought about culture until we started having these conversations because they met remotely once a week to talk about projects or whatever, but it was more project management mode than it was, well, let's hear how things are going. How is this customer interaction that you're having? Or do you have ideas for the team or all of that kind of thing? And so developing culture really wasn't on his radar. And so now he's seeing it as a way to keep the great help that he has to continue this growth that his business is experiencing. And I think the biggest compliment to me was working through this was him saying, these are not complicated things to do. These are things we should be doing anyway. It's just making them a priority and focusing on them. I think that's been the biggest surprise is that when people really dive into it, it's not this really big complicated rollout or fanfare or some kind of swag or a party that we're having or whatever else. I mean, all those are nice things, but it really is about the day-to-day, the interaction between that leader and that team. And when you focus on that, everything else will fall into into line to me. Thanks for sharing that. There's a couple of just key takeaways that I was hearing in that, the power of prioritizing key initiatives and making them simple. Like you said, it was such a compliment to you that he said, well, hey, this is kind of easy. It's the power of having a system or step-by-step way to do something, which people like you, that's what you bring to the table to be able to help make changes that seem so big, not so big, right? So focus equals growth, hands down. I've seen that over and over. What we focus on expands. And, you know, when we prioritize these things and then have a simple way that you said, like incorporate day-to-day, just little simple changes, enormous changes happen. Well, Shelly, I'd love to dig into value. I feel like we've teased it out and people are ready to hear this. So let's break it down. So the word value, V-A-L-U-E, and each letter stands for something. And I'm going to have you walk us through that. I might just ask some questions along the way. Does that sound okay? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just dive in with a V. I call that vision and values. 
And a leader can't lead a team unless they have the vision of where they're going because they have to be able to sell that vision to the rest of the team so that everybody's on the same page. But where I find people kind of lacking in this is that a lot of times they do the vision work themselves. They don't include the team as part of that because you can't get there on your own. You're going to have to have these people supporting the initiatives and doing the kind of work behind the scenes to make it all happen. So what better way to get them engaged from the very beginning is to help define that vision. What do we want to see as the outcome of where do we want this team to be five years from now or three years from now? And having them play a part in making that picture become a reality for everybody in there, I think is so important. And then the other piece of that is assigning values to that vision. Because one thing we'll talk about next, the accountability piece of that is that you have to have values that you can track and you have to be able to assign a behavior to that value. And so when you have specific things that you're looking for, whether that is a sales number or whether that is a customer satisfaction piece or a productivity piece, or maybe it's just that we're going to get together and we're going to share ideas once a week so that we have engagement building between that and conversation happening. Or maybe it's I'm going to have one-on-ones with everybody on my team more than at the review time each year so that I can help them feel like I'm invested in them and wanting them to get the best out of their experience and helping guide them to find new talents and new skills and develop the ones that they have that they really enjoy using. Whatever that is, define that key tactic, that key behavior that we're going to track that aligns with those values that gets you to that vision that you have it. And then it becomes the accountability. So you have behaviors that you can track. So then you have to track them. And the best thing that can happen is when it's not just the leader tracking them anymore, your team becomes accountable for themselves. What am I doing to make these things happen? And I tell everybody is like, don't be afraid to put some of that responsibility on your team. A, it gives them ownership in the process. And when you give them ownership, they feel they have something that they have control over. And they also are more engaged in the process about wanting to actually Let me take this class and learn this new skill and see what I can do and how can I step up. And they're also willing to try things that are a little bit challenging because if they know that you're in their corner and that you're helping prepare them, something that they might not feel 100% confident on, they're going to be willing to try because they know that they've got someone who's going to help champion through that. So change becomes something that's not so scary for people to embrace and face and move forward in. I think that the word that just comes to mind as you were explaining that when it was laying out the values with trackable behaviors and tactics and that word ownership, where someone feels the word that was coming to mind is empowered. I feel empowered to make my own decision because I know the end result and I know what we're all going for here. So I don't need to ask about X, Y, or Z, right? I can just do this because I feel that I know we're all working towards that end goal. And this is the best decision. Yeah, you've set that framework. And so as the leader of that team, you think how much time that frees up for you as well, that you're not having to answer everything that comes up. If you've laid out this framework, if it accomplishes X, Y, or Z, because these are our initiatives, these are our goals, you don't need to come ask my permission to do it. You just do it. And so, hey, give me a report back and let me know how it went. But you don't have to come ask permission you can make some of these decisions on your own. I think it's an amazing thing. And I think leaders, when they do this, they see that transformation in their team where they actually become bought in and they're part of the process. Awesome. So vision, accountability, lead us into the L. So L is leadership. 
And I think everybody says leadership's that overrated word. We talk about leadership all the time, but I look at it just a little bit differently. Leadership to me is about becoming that coach. It's about coaching leadership. I built that vision. I've built these things that we're going to track. So how do as I, as a leader, empower, like you were talking about, my people to be able to do this thing. So as the leader, I have to look inside me and where I am now, we have like four generations in the workplace right now. So not everybody wants to be led the same way. Me, you know, I'm a good solid Gen Xer and I'm like, okay, just do it. I handle things, you know, like you get in there, you do that. Well, there's some people that needs a little bit more encouragement. There's some people that need that face-to-face interaction. There's some people that would rather me text them There's some people that they want to touch base. They want to have that, okay, tell me how I'm doing. Let me know what's going on. And there's some people that don't really like recognition at all. So as that leader, as that coach of that team, I love thinking of it as I'm coaching this team to success, is how do I be that coach for each of those people? It's more work on you as a leader because it's not a one size fits all for every person that you have. And I think that's something that's important. And especially the more that we're adding to the workforce, you got remote workers, you have different age groups, you have different demographics. We have all these things coming into play now is that I think the leaders that are going to be left behind are the ones that are not willing to adapt to the team that they have. I love that. I just know the value of coaching. I got involved in coaching when I was in my young 20s, actually. Someone was brought into my life, had no idea it was going to be a coaching relationship, but it's one of my most grateful experiences. And I still have that coach today over 15 years later. I'm curious when you think of the best leader coaches, what comes to mind with those like attributes or those qualities that you see in them? Like one for me that I think about is they're really good listeners. I always say listening is the first thing that pops in my head is because you have to actually hear what someone's telling you before you can coach them. What are their fears? What are their worries? What are they interested in? It's not about you casting that vision for them. You can help direct them in certain ways that'll be more beneficial for your team. Prime example is I am a creative, I'm a writer, I'm a people person. If you told me, hey, I want you to spend the next 12 weeks in a room doing nothing but spreadsheets and numbers because, hey, I know you can do it. You're great at coming up with these things and figuring it out. I'd be out the door in like two weeks because I'd be pulling my hair out. It's not a matter of whether I could do it or whether I'm great at it. It's what do I enjoy and where is the team going to get the biggest benefit from? And so if there's something I need to do along the way that involves Excel and spreadsheets or whatever, that's great. I can do that. But if I know my life is going to revolve around that for amount of time, it's probably not going to be something I'm looking forward to to coming into every day. But really listening to what that person wants and then being that resource for them so that, okay, I heard you. So let's develop a plan that gets you to where you want to go. It's also beneficial to the organization. It's beneficial to our team as it is. But let me help you. Oh, this training would be great for you because it's going to do two things. It's going to get you here that you asked me about, but it's also going to be great for your job because it's going to allow you to experience X, Y, and Z. When we're working together, it goes back to involving them as well in the conversation. It's not a dictatorship. It's actually a relationship where we're listening and we're partnering together to make it happen. I love that. So being a good coach, you know, great listeners, awesome at question asking, and then really the bridge to connect the resources that people need unique to them, which leads us right into you. So tell us about you. So you is the uniqueness of your people. And like I said, we have so many different generations coming into the workplace now. 
just because you have this team, it doesn't mean everybody's the same. Everybody has different talents. They have different life experiences that they're bringing to the table. And it goes back to being able to treat them as that unique person, that unique piece of your team, and really celebrating what is it that they bring to the table. When people feel special or they feel valued or they feel like I'm adding something, that's a whole nother level of engagement that you're getting from them. Not only are they going to show up excited about what the day is going to hold and what they're doing, just think about what kind of advocate they become for you out in the community. You want people that have these certain attributes on your team. So if they're excited about what's happening and they're excited about how they're treated and they're excited about the fact that they feel they're contributing to the success of the organization, when you have positions opening, they're going to be talking to their friends who are more or less probably like them in some sort of way and talking about what a great opportunity it is here. Have you ever thought about working with us? Let me tell you what we're doing. So they become what I call a brand ambassador for you. And they really turn into some of your best recruiters out there. But it really is taking that time and you like really just giving that person that moment to celebrate them, what they bring to the table, doing that recognition someone who accomplishes something, let your team know, hey, we're all better because Mary did this awesome thing and look what the whole team is going to reap from this project that she just finished. Or Roger just landed this great client. That's going to mean we're all going to get our bonuses this year. But really celebrating the individual achievement. Ray says there's no I in team. There most certainly is. Every individual makes that team. And you have to have those moments where the individual is able to be showcased so that the team as a whole can recognize the value that they each have. Then they become advocates for each other as well. And when your team is functioning as a team, when they respect each other, when they're working together, when they realize the different skills and the different attributes that they have, and they can go to each other to get problems solved and they can collaborate on different things, so much more positive happens in the workplace then. Totally. One example that comes to mind for my team that's just been a game changer for us is the Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder or Clifton Strengths used to be called Strengths Finder. But we all operate from how do we stay in our strength spot? And when something comes up and it's feeling like it's draining us, oh, it's probably because we're not in our strengths. And then we have this grid that we look at and we're like, wait a second, Ashley would probably love this. We should talk to Ashley about it. So definitely embracing the uniqueness of each person with the the strengths has really helped us. So bring us home. So the E in value is? Engagement. And so when you do all of these things, you're going to have the engagement that you've been wanting as an organization. You're going to have employees who are showing up, who are not out sick, who are taking part in things, who are volunteering, who are collaborating. And then you'll also see you're not going to have the high turnover that you might have been experiencing. Or you're going to have people that are moving between departments. You're going to have other people that are building relationships across departments. And so you're going to see processes improve because people are talking to each other and seeing how we can improve the situation that we have. How can we make it better? And one of the things that you'll see is even if your culture movement starts as a smaller team instead of a whole organization, people are going to start taking notice of, well, what's going on over there? They're having fun working. They're doing great things. I want to be part of that team, or I want my team to experience the same thing that they did. I tell everybody not to be afraid of even a small culture movement, because the engagement that you're creating inside that small team 
can actually build and grow and move out to other areas. And sooner or later, it will spread. It can be the culture virus for all I care is that it spreads. Good things spread. When people see good things happening, they want to be a part of it. Absolutely. This has been amazing. Shelly, we're going to have to head over to our lightning round because it's just gone so fast. Lots that we've covered. Is there a resource or a next step? If people want to learn more about this, go deeper, where do we want to send them? So yeah, absolutely. I have an ebook that I would love to share with your listeners. If you'll go to my website, ChellyPhillips.com and do backslash flying dash solo. So even if you're in a cubicle trying to lead a movement or you have a small team and it's not an organizational effort, this is something that you can dive into and it'll walk you through some of these techniques that you can use on your team to start building that culture inside your organization. I call it flying solo because sometimes we feel like I'm the only one paying attention to these kind of things. That's okay. At least you're paying attention and someone's paying attention. And if you start these things small, maybe it's just your next cubicle mate, or maybe it's just the next supervisor that you're talking about things over lunch with. Maybe that spreads to that group or that next cubicle or that next team or whatever it is. And then it becomes something that takes over the whole organization and you can be proud of the impact that you had. I love that. Thank you so much for uh, offering that to everyone. We'll link that in the show notes if you're looking for that, or you can feel free to hit me up and I can help you with that as well. Shelly will give her information for connecting with her directly at the end of this episode. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor message today, and then we'll come back to what we do on every show, our lightning round, which allows us to get to know our guests just a little bit more on the personal side. So we'll be right back. Work Human is the pioneer of employee recognition and their podcast, How We Work, highlights everything that shapes the employee experience and what leaders can do right now to change it for the better. If you are leading meaningful work experiences for others, this show is a must. Subscribe to How We Work anywhere you listen to podcasts. And after you listen in, I want to know your takeaways. All right, back on Gut Plus Science with Shelly Phillips. We've had a great conversation today about something she's incredibly passionate about and has been working on for many years, which is the VALUE acronym. This is a methodology that many of us can apply, and we've got a link in the show notes for you to be able to grab her ebook that will walk us through way more than what we could cover on this episode. Thank you so much, Shelly. So this is our lightning round. It's an opportunity for you to just share really quick responses to these questions. We always start with this one because we're growing this ever-growing list of recommended reads. So your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read, what would you like to add? So this would be a recent read, and it's called Read This or Die. The title alone was what intrigued me to pick it up initially, and it's by Ray Edwards. And it talks about the pain that we experience in life and how we look at it and how we grow from it. And sometimes our beliefs get wrapped up into some false narratives that we have going on inside our head. And sometimes we bring that pain on ourselves because of some belief systems that we have. And when we can kind of shift the way we're thinking or the way that we're going, we can really grow exponentially from some of the things that we consider bad that have happened in life. And you can start finding positives or you can start finding growth modes and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought it was really powerful, especially I look back at a time when I talked earlier when we were on the podcast about leaving an organization when I had a bad boss that made me feel unvaluable anymore, like I was not contributing anymore. And, you know, I could have gone home and wallowed in that because I had 20 plus years there. 
So I'm vested in all the programs. I've grown up in that organization. Do I leave these people that I know that I've grown up with and walk away from all this and find something else? Or do I stay and be miserable for whatever? And so that whole mindset shift that you have to go through, that sometimes the pain you go through really brings you exponentially to the other side. And I tell everybody, had I not left that job, I probably would not have written the books that I've written now. I would not be doing the training that I was doing now. I would not be the leader that I am being now. And so it really spoke to me when I read the book is that, yeah, there's some things in life that suck. And at the moment when you're going through them, they feel like the worst thing that you could be going through. But him turning it around and really getting the mindset piece to it was just an amazing concept to me. I love that key message. Thank you for sharing that. So Shelly, tell us about a hobby or two that you're incredibly passionate about. We might even see like a different side of you when you're doing these things. Well, you might see a different side of me if you were at my home on a Saturday during football season. I am a huge college football fan, SEC all the way, and especially Roll Tide, Crimson Tide for me. I grew up in Alabama. You declare at birth whether you're an Auburn or Alabama fan. I went Alabama and never have changed my thought pattern on this. That's a belief system that no matter reading is going to ever change for me. And so I am the passionate one at the house about that. You might hear language that would make a seller blush at times when I'm talking to the referees or the players on TV. I've been done to throw a pillow across the room or something else. So you might get to see a different side of me when I get wrapped up in my emotions in a football game. That's so fun. I want to be in your living room with you just to experience that. I love it. I love passion. Okay, Shelly, how about a lesson learned in life that you'd like to share to inspire others just to think about for themselves? My lesson was a hard one to learn this year. I lost my dad earlier this year. And so the lesson that's most important to me right now and and something that I really wish people would know sooner in life is just to really value the moments that you have with the people that matter to you. Those memories are going to be with you forever. And so make the most of that time that you have them. It could be your family. It can be your friends. It can be someone special at work. It could be a great boss even. They don't have to be all on the level of this is my parent that I've lost and and I'm missing right now. Just make sure we treasure the moments for the people that matter in the life and make the most of those encounters. Thank you. Just reminded me to just remember the gift and the power of being present. Thank you. That's an awesome lesson learned for all of us. And finally, Shelly, how can listeners connect with you after the show today? So ChellyPhillips.com is my website. You can find all kinds of free resources there, links to my blogs, links to books, all that kind of stuff. I'm super active on LinkedIn, Chelly Phillips on LinkedIn. I love to engage with people there. I post prolifically and I am happy to have a conversation if you want to reach out to me. Here's my truth you can act on for my great conversation with Shelly Phillips. Number one, vision. You can't lead without a vision for where you're going and ensuring everyone understands and is bought into that vision. Here's the pro tip. Get your people involved in creating the vision with you. Number two, accountability. We need values that we can track, define the behaviors and tactics that help you accomplish the vision and break them down into individual team member ownership. Number three, Leadership is becoming a coach. Learn how to lead people based on their needs and be their success champion guiding the way. Be a good coach by listening and helping bridge the connection to resources. Number four, embrace the uniqueness of each person. Know their unique strengths and find ways to help them maximize those to drive their engagement and gain the best outcomes for the organization. Make it a habit to recognize greatness. 
And number five, engagement is the result of applying vision and values, accountability, coaching, and leveraging the uniqueness of each person. I'm excited for you all to check out Shelly's ebook, and we'll be linking that opportunity to download that for free in the show notes. Shelly, thank you. We just left the world a little bit better. Now, go do something with it.